This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. And alongside me on the web, we have David. Spoopy boys. <laughs> yes, we are. Also known as Nightly. And before we get our episode started, I just want to give a huge congratulations to our head knight, Prince, and Kathleen, his, or his wife, a congratulations on their new baby daughter that was born today. And as you guys know, we are recording on August 20th. A little bit uh, before you are hearing this, but thank you, Prince, for everything you've done. And Kathleen, you're an amazing person. I'm so happy for you guys. Congratulations on your daughter. Um, Ellie, welcome to the world. You're going to be one of the spoopy ones. So Yay. we love you. Congratulations, David, you too. Like, want to say something? Yeah, congratulations, you too. I'm glad that we're adding a spoopy girl into the mix. Um, one more Absolutely. for the crew. So welcome, Ellie. Really happy for all. All of the Jackson family. Yeah, we're super excited. And we uh, just can't wait to meet you. And maybe at this moment, we have. Who knows? (laughs) But we are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror film to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's night with a what? K. Love it. By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry about it. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now, ending our Creature Feature Month, it's one of my favorites. It's called A Quiet Place. And David, first and foremost thoughts so freddie i don't remember if you remember this but in our last episode i had told you this will be my first time watching this movie right. and i've always wanted Super to watch excited. it yeah i've always wanted to watch it um i know it's a favorite amongst fans um and i was expecting to like this movie and i'm happy to say that i did like this movie it hit exactly what i expected it to um i had a yes. blast watching this movie it really kept me on the edge of my seat um, it got me having moments of, I'll put it this way. It actually had me on a, a roller coaster of emotions, just like it's supposed to. It, right. it nailed, no pun intended, exactly what it was supposed to <laughs> yep. do as far as me just going along for the ride. And I adored it for that. And I think the creature design is incredible. I mean, a lot of times I am not a fan of CG monster design because it always looks Mm -hmm. either cheesy cheesy. or very out of place, but this blends with the environment so well. Uh, And it's just a cool creature design. I love the, 
the zoom in aspects of when you hear these creatures listening and seeing how their hearing system works. Oh, I thought that was so cool. And how their right. their face kind of flips open through different sections. Great monster design. I, I think this movie was fantastic. Um, a lot of cool moments and a lot of sad moments. But because of those sad moments that we'll talk about, uh, it hit the nail on the head for me. I loved it. Yeah. This I'm happy you felt this way, especially the first time watching it. I wish I could see this for the first time again. <laughs> uh, this is one of those movies that I adore and I can rewatch several times and not get bored of it. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do with the acting, the the pacing, the tension, the suspense. And, of course, the creature design is really, uh, really, really, really well done. And I think it's something we haven't seen before in other movies, which is great because it's kind of hard to create a creature or a slash monster these days because there are so many out there so it's very unique to it and it has mm-hmm. a very unique design about like the hearing aspect and having it being blind and stuff like that too which i really do appreciate that they went that route and they use that tactic very well in this movie so it's one of a kind i would say i don't think any other movies like this uh it gave me a little bit of flashbacks of the movie hush just yeah. because they kind of use like sensory details and stuff like that as well um which i think are always fun to watch i think it's fun when um you're challenged through a film to see what a perspective would be like if you were to lose your or not have access to all your senses in a situation like this i think it's really cool exactly and it's a great contrast because it's like the other way around where one of the main characters she is deaf but she is not blind but the monster is blind and very heavily uses hearing as its main ability. Mm-hmm. So it's really good seeing the contrast between that stuff as well. And it definitely shows a viewer a different perspective of someone who probably is going through that where they're still a super big badass and they're still killing it in the movie. So I applaud everyone in this movie. <laughs> uh, John Krasinski killed it as a director, but we'll get into that as well. Um, all of the performances were pretty top notch. And yeah. And if I'm but, correct, um, his wife in the film is his wife in real life as well, right? Yes. Yeah, Emily that's really Bullitt cool. is married yeah. to John. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. And when we get into the movie facts, there's a nice little cute thing in there that they put in. And that's another thing, too. They put a lot of attention to detail. Which and I'm always I'm a fan of. The notes, we'll, we'll definitely dive deep into that. But yeah, let, let's dive deep into this, man. So, let's do it. of course, we, we talked about it. It's directed by John Krasinski. It was released April 6, 2018, so not too long ago, with a runtime of an, uh, one hour and 30 minutes. The budget was only $17 million, but the box office was $341 million. Whoa, I had no idea it made that much money. Huge uptake. So Damn. from 17 mil, getting <laughs> a return of 341 Good for bad. them. Yeah, good for them. For sure. But even better, it has a score of 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. I, I I think this deserves a high rating. I think it's very accessible yeah. to all types of horror fans. Um, because it's just sure, a fun ride. Be, and it's there's a lot of attention to detail, like you mentioned. Right. This could be one of those first movies you introduce to someone who hasn't jumped into horror. Like we talked about, like the monster and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, this is a very easy movie to be like... You should check this out. It's kind of like an action movie with a lot of suspense, with horror elements. It's a cool transitional movie to get your feet wet in this kind of genre. 
So, exactly. Yeah. But we open to the Paramount Pictures logo with a heavy score playing in the background. Then we transition to a black screen with the text Day 89, and it appears on there. The scene opens up to a street light that's on the ground covered by overgrown grass around it. Then it cuts to an abandoned street, and then an entire place is a completely isolated. We get a shot of a store called Larkin's Prescription Market. Then we get a close-up shot of a bulletin board with many missing persons posters. And I, I, I was putting here in my notes that this is a great setup of what kind of world we're into on day, what was it, 89? 89. Yeah, there's a, yeah, I, there's a moment where um, the mother is, you know, trying to look through medicine uh, bottles and she's reaching it from a higher position. Like she has her arm looped around above the the bottles. And I think right. at that moment, I was like, this is a really good way through environmental storytelling that you get an idea of what what is going on. They're trying not to make noise and it's very clear. Um, yes. And I think at this point, you could also tell that they're all barefoot. And with one of the children running around, you kind of kind of hear footsteps, but it's not the sound of shoes stepping right. on on the ground. It sounds like bare feet. So I like how from the get go, they're not relying on exposition to say you have to be quiet or the monsters will get you. It's it's very easy to figure out on your own. And I think it's great that they do that very early on. Right. And this is a big thing uh, to point out, too. When I was talking about like how Paramount Pictures pops up and we hear a deep score. Once the movie actually starts and the camera starts rolling, there's no sound right now. There's no score, no nothing, too, yep. which is a great um, thing to put in there. Like I said, there's a lot of attention to detail. It's using the camera movement around the location to show what kind of world we're in and what the characters are going to be doing throughout the movie, which is great. Within the first couple minutes, we get so much information without any dialogue or anything thrown in our face as a viewer. So top notch. <laughs> Uh, we cut inside the store, and it's a total mess, and it's fully empty for the most part. We see someone run in by, uh, run by, and then we see a girl who is tiptoeing in the store. Then we see another younger child in there as well with a little beanie on. We get a close-up shot of the little girl, and we see that she's wearing a hearing aid. Then a quick cut to the other little boy running quietly through the aisles. We cut to him sitting down now and get introduced to the mother, played by Emily Blunt, who plays Evelyn. She begins looking at the pill bottles and picks one of them out and gives the little boy a pill with some water. At this point, we can really see that their intention is very, very intriguing because they always want to stay quiet, which gives us our first clues, like we talked about. The little girl joins them and sees Evelyn sign to her and says, He's okay. This is when we realize that she is indeed deaf. She nods and walks away. We transition to the boy and girl in one of those aisles playing on the ground. I do want to point out that there's a dead silence during this whole entire scene. So no score, no nothing. It's just watching these characters in the in the store. And I think that's a really good touch. I, I think I remember people really speaking on that when this movie first came out. It was not only in the world are you meant to stay quiet to survive but the the movie was designed in a way to be a very quiet experience um, because it's so easy to put music in to fill the void but with this they really want you to be immersed in this in this world oh yeah 
Um, yeah, I'm I'm sorry that you never got to see this in the theater, but seeing <laughs> this in the theater makes you not even want to eat popcorn or sip your Coke because you don't want to make noise watching this I love movie, that. which is I love that. fantastic. Man, do you remember movie because theaters? You see the characters. I'm sorry, what was that? Do you remember movie theaters? Sadly, I do. And I can't wait to go back. But <laughs> Man, I, I hope they come back. Safe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, the boy signs to the girl the word rocket. And she responds, good job, back to him. He signs to her again saying, that's how we'll get away. Which I thought was really cute. Because they kind of show that he's very innocent. And yeah. is dreaming of getting away from this place that's potentially dangerous, but we don't know of what yet through yeah. a rocket ship, which is great. But also very sad because you can see it in his sister's expression, just like that's not going to happen. There's, we're not right. going to escape from this, or like it's very clearly impossible to escape on a rocket. Right, because kind of like the last movie that we saw, she kind of feels like she's already grown up in this environment and this very self-aware of the responsibility that they have to take in this world. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, pretty much she just looks at him in silence as he gets up and walks off. She stays there and we look at the ground, noticing that he has drawn one of the rockets with a crayon on the ground of the aisle. We cut to the boy on a stool trying to get a space shuttle toy off the shelf and accidentally drops it. And then that's when we see a miraculous catch by the girl Regan sliding in to make sure it doesn't hit the ground. Quite the catch. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. Yeah. Came out, she came out of nowhere. Just yeah. like slid in, caught it. I was like, yeah, nice. <laughs> uh, everyone in the room that looks very relieved. And now we get introduced to their father, Lee, played by John Krasinski. We see Regan give her father some electronic components and says it's for the radio. And he signs back saying it could help boost the signal. He shows her some pliers and says it's for her. And she signs back, thank you. Evelyn comes back and warns them that it will be dark soon. The whole family is together now, and we see that they have an older boy named Marcus. They all start to look at the youngest child looking super afraid. Knowing this, watching it for the first time, what did you think was happening before we get revealed? So at this point, this is when they're all in the store and kind of grouped up together at the front, right? Right. And we don't the, see the youngest child yet, but they just start looking that direction and they look afraid. What did you think was happening? I so I had it's so funny that you say that because I had this moment where I said, "Oh, do they have an older son?" Because I had noticed the the young kid first. Right. Yeah. We don't get. I don't think we see the oldest son until that moment. Because was in my notes, I put it that wasn't the oldest son the one that was taking the medicine. Um, I thought yeah. it was the guy with the beanie, which is the youngest. No? No. Wait, I think the youngest... That was the oldest. Yeah. I think... Because I, at first, I thought they were the same kid. And when everyone groups up, uh, I was like, oh, that's an o- there's an older son. And I was like, oh, he's the one that was taking the medicine. It wasn't the kid that right. uh, drew the rocket. Which probably makes sense of why he was getting carried later on. He exactly. Was sick. Yeah, exactly. That makes more sense. But yeah. So uh, Lee gets closer to him, and he takes the space shuttle away from him. He proceeds to take out the batteries and tells him it's too loud. His mother comforts him, and they all begin to leave the store. We see that Regan gives back the space shuttle and then leaves. Then we stay with the boy, and we see him look at the batteries and then takes them. 
So I was watching this with Bella, <laughs> and yeah. we, had, we were both watching it for the first time. And when when um, oh, nice. yeah, when the young boy takes the batteries, we're both like, "No, what are you doing? <laughs> this is gonna be all bad." Uh, so we're already on the edge of our seats. I mean, with the rocket almost falling over and it being caught, we were like, "Ooh!" And then when this happened, we're like, "No!" So it's I love that. R- really early on, we were already on the edge of our seats. Oh yeah. It's it's a great sense. There's really good pacing in this, and there's really good tension building in this too. Yes, I have to it, agree. It builds up slowly, but you know where it's going, and mm-hmm. you know what's about to happen, and you're just like sitting there, just waiting for something to happen. Yeah. So it, it's good. It's directed beautifully. Uh, we cut back outside, and we now start to hear a score begin to play. We see them walk down a trail of what looks like to be sand on the road, making every step they take very quiet. They go for a long distance and end up on a train track. We get an awesome shot of the ground and them walking past it, seeing every step on the sand, making their steps very quiet. They reach a bridge and the music fades. We are back in silence. We get this nice shot of the family in single file line walking on the bridge. The older boy Marcus is being carried and looking behind them, and Regan is right after him. The youngest being at the very end. That is when we get a shot of Lee leading the group, and that's when we start to hear a toy beginning to beep. Ugh. Man. <laughs> oh, man. Ah, uh, man. Uh, even rewatching this, it just gave me chills. Mm. He turns around slowly. We cut to the perspective of Regan, who can't hear the toy. And she looks at her family all looking back at her in fear. Man, what were you thinking in this situation at this point? Because you know what was about to happen. Yeah, so I don't know how this is the case, but I've seen this scene before. I think it's in the trailer, to be honest. Okay, because I was going to say, I've seen this scene right before. How do you say the youngest name? Is it Bio? Biao? You know, he's the only one I didn't give a name because I felt bad that he will we'll talk about what happens. Yeah, yeah. But also for the reason that I couldn't really pronounce his name. Yeah. But um, I had a feeling I, I was like, I've seen the scene before, but I haven't seen what happens like the at, at the very end of the scene. Um, but right. at this moment, I. Man, I was very conflicted because um, Bella and I, I actually had a conversation with Bella and we had talked about. um you know, is there any fault in this? Does Regan have is in Re- is Regan in fault for giving her sibling the toy rocket after Lee had said it's too loud? We're gonna leave it behind, and it it sparked an interesting conversation. But at this point, when Lee starts sprinting over, um, right. I I I kind of I feel like that's how I would respond. I feel like I'm very quick on my feet in in situations that call for um, urgency. Um, So with Lee, I respect that he starts running and he doesn't really think about it, you know? And then while he's running, no hesitation, he thinks about what's happening. And I, I thought, I thought what happens next sets up such a good momentum and I guess feeling for this movie and what is at stake? Right. There's very, like, there's no room for error in this world. Exactly. Exactly. You mess up, there are major consequences if you mess up. 
and you could see how crazy. Yeah, you could see how deliberate everything is. I thought it was such a good touch that they had this path of sand leading to this store to get supplies. Uh, everything's intentional. Everything's deliberate. And even though it may be tedious, mm-hmm. it's all about survival. And um, exactly, I, th- I think some movies would sometimes fail at giving that much detail into a world. I mean, clearly, like this movie could have been made and they could have just been barefoot and they could have taken the sand away and everyone would have been like, yeah, that's fine. Cool. But the attention to detail here where there is a sand path to their home and to the store I think that's uh, that's remarkable. I, I, that little yeah. sense of detail just does so much for me. I completely agree with you. I think that sense of detail allows the viewer to see how every little thing matters. Everything exactly. has a main purpose for them, and if they didn't have this, they would be in danger. And you just—that's how you get the sense of danger of like, no matter what they do in their lives is a a possible threat anything that you do on your daily day-to-day basis that you do as a normal human could cause noise Mm -hmm. that there's so much around us that can cause noise it also has a potential threat yeah it also translates translates to risks right and what risks are you willing to take Uh, i see a correlation between the sand paths and the rocket the sand may be overkill and not bringing the rocket without the batteries may seem overdoing it. But how willing are you to take a risk when your survival is in jeopardy? And Regan, you know, being only about three months into this new world of this new society where there is a monster on the on the prowl, um, hasn't fully grasped the reality of this new world. I mean, she's a, a young girl and her um, youngest sibling is very young, right? So it's going to be a lot more difficult for him as a small, small child. I'm, I'm, he looks like he's around like five years old or something. Um, right. Really grasping the reality of how dangerous sound is. And of course, with that being taken away from him, he's going to want a toy more so that does make sound because it's become, um, you know, kind of a forbidden fruit. Um, right. So I... It seems like he took the battery as well, knowing that if he brought it, it could make the toy more fun by lighting up or making sound. Maybe he didn't know it would make sound, but he was told so. And I think at that point, when you are that young, um, you have to have your safety rely on your family, whether it be your older siblings or your parents. Now, Lee had told him it's not worth the risk because it'll make sound. It's too loud. While Regan, kind of behind his back, was like, "Take the take the rocket. It's okay. It'll be our secret." But in doing so, right. in learning from Regan's behavior, the boy then took the batteries because if we're already doing secrets, let me take this battery. So, uh, and I think that's why Lee didn't want to take any risk at all bringing it, even though he already took the batteries out. Same with the sand. That risk of your footstep making a little bit louder of a noise. That's the detail that I love. Yeah, I, I think it's him being strict, but for a good reason, where it's kind of a slippery slope. It's like, oh, if I let this slide, more and more stuff can be like let go, risking our family to like have something bad exactly happen to him. But yeah, we see Lee put down Marcus and start sprinting towards her direction to get the toy. 
We see her turn around and sees her younger brother playing with the space shuttle and then cut to the perspective of Lee running and hearing noises coming from the woods. We see the mom crying and going towards the ground. We see Lee almost reaching his son and that's when we see this huge creature come out of the woods and snatches him before he can even get there. That's when we cut to black. We see dust in the air on a black screen revealing the movie's title, A Quiet Place. And what I was mentioning earlier, I'm a sucker for sacrificing movie, especially when it's a, a sacrifice of someone good. And as a young child, I think you are inherently good, right? You're innocent. Um, innocent, for sure. Yeah, but it shows what's at stake, like we talked about earlier. And in an aspect of storytelling, when a sacrifice is hurtful for a viewer, that's a really good impact. It really grounds you and shows you the reality of the situation and i think it was really well done that they were willing to do something like kill off a child in this movie it's very very sad but man does it make for good storytelling yeah it definitely sets the tone of the movie that no one's really safe Mm -hmm. not even a, a small boy a child yeah man but we open with a new screen day 472 now We open to a shot of a bunch of sand and Regan laying down in it. She grabs a little bit of sand in her hand while laying down and quickly opens her eyes like she was dreaming of a nightmare. We see her mother walking down the path and calls to to her to follow her. Very quickly. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, Very quickly, I just wanted to add, I like that we had the very next scene of about over a year later is uh, Regan waking up and from what you said seemed like a terrible nightmare. And to me, I took it as she was remember she was dreaming about day eighty nine of her brother's passing. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and I think I think it's a good subtle touch. But please continue. The, the nice thing about the camera movement too, it's an overhead shot, so it looks like she's on the beach, but in yeah. reality, she's just in the middle of a cornfield, mm-hmm. surrounded by sand. It's good just nice little touch. Oh, uh, yeah. So pretty much, her mom walks down the path, tells her to follow her, and that's when we cut to a security feed of them and zoom out to see more monitors on the security feed. We see a bunch of newspapers with a bunch of headlines, and this is where I love the attention to detail. Some of the headlines say, they can hear you, what you need to know to survive. New York on lockdown. Churches, mosques, temples, flood with people. Indestructible, bulletproof bulletproof plates. And then another headline that says, meteorite hits Mexico with force of nuclear bomb. Another one says soundproofing instructions. And that's also when we see a whiteboard with creature boxed around it with bullet points saying blind, attack sound, and armor. And in another section that says how many in the area with under it saying confirmed, three. And then another section that says survive with bullet points saying medical supplies and soundproofing with the question underneath it saying what is its weakness? I love now, this. Seeing this how do you feel about it? I mean, I, there's a lot of storytelling and, and just you're right. all of that. And I love when films don't rely on exposition, you know, verbally telling you what's going on in the world or in the story. And I love with this, it relies on visual storytelling and it's a lot to, to grasp out all at once. But with all the context on the screen, you don't even need to look at it to understand um, the world we're in. Um so it's 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 beautifully done. I think it's it's uh, easy to grasp for anyone, um, but at the same Correct. time, it, it 
I think as a mu- uh, a movie viewer, it feels good to just process and figure things out on your own. Uh, I think it's. I think most people feel this way. It's fun t- when it just clicks. Like I understand right. what's happening, and this is a really f- easy and accessible way to look at what's on screen, quickly understand what's happening, and feeling like I get it. I know what this world is now, and it's been over a year or so because we know it's day four hundred and so on. Exactly, and it gives us a little glimpse of how everything started too, of how they got here, mm-hmm. which I do love. Is like. It sounds like these are definitely aliens about the meteorite hitting Mexico with a force of a nuclear bomb. It talks about like how people acted on during this situation where a lot of people were going to religious places to seek for help. Yeah. Uh, give us a, a, a clue to what the creature can take. That's bulletproof plates around it. Soundproofing will help you. Um, but yeah, we continue. We then cut to Lee looking at more newspapers and we see in bold it's sound and then it says stay silent stay alive which gives us the main hint that dumb being quiet is what's keeping them alive mm-hmm. and of course there was a lot of context clues on that when yeah, we saw the and poor I think, child i think at that moment that's for the people that haven't figured it out yet even though it's very very obvious but for someone right. that you know just needs a little more help it's there just in case Exactly. And it doesn't throw it in your face. It's just, it's subtle on the newspapers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Exactly. Just in case, like you said. Uh, he continues to look through all of the notes and newspapers. We even get a shot of him over a map with a list of sightings. He sits in front of the desk with a bunch of radio equipment and puts on the headphones as we begin to hear radio static. He turns the dials and begins to do Morse code for SOS. Then we see a piece of paper with him with a bunch of different countries and radio frequencies crossed out on any other country that's on the list and proceeds to cross another one out. This shows that he is trying to reach anyone at all, I put here. And that's crazy because he's going country to country seeing if he gets a response. Uh, We cut to Marcus pretending to drive a truck in the field and sees Lee in the rearview mirror. He gets out and goes towards him and then passes him. We follow him down the path into a barn and goes underground it. We see that there's all sorts of food supplies there and sees Evelyn down there as well. He puts up a baby uh, mobile and the camera lowers showing that there's a a pregnant Evelyn. We cut to to Lee sitting on top of the silo as it begins to darken into night. We see that he has a box in his hands which contains some of the belongings of his dead son. Man, Mm. that was a brutal scene. But um, I, I, again, I, I like that it's just adding to, I don't know, the pain of the reality of right. what it is to, to lose someone in this world. You know, it's like you don't. It's still holding on, a, I guess. Yeah, there's a lot of movies and particularly I could think of like action, the action genre, right? Where someone is lost and they're gone and you just keep going on with the story. But with this, you could see they're still feeling grief over the loss of their son. Yeah. And I love the direction that they took that Evelyn is now pregnant after so long too. Yeah. Because knowing that being quiet and bringing a baby into this world, is going to be one of the main challenges. Yeah. Another great touch in this movie. Yeah. That's, it adds layers, right? Because we get to tackle that later on. Right. There's a lot of moving pieces, and it just fits. It makes sense. Mm -hmm. 
uh, I put here in the box. It even has some of the pictures of him in it. We cut back to Evelyn uh, booking up a oxygen tank to a small baby mask attached to it and places it in the crib. Now we are back with Lee as the sun sets. Then back with Evelyn closing the crib with a wooden lid showing that the crib is a customized wooden box to keep a crying baby quiet. We cut to the kids using wet paper clippings and attaching it to the wall to help soundproof the room as well. What were you thinking when you were seeing all this stuff? Because it's kind of wild because you see the crib being made out of a wooden box to keep a baby quiet and then soundproofing the entire room and it's underground and they have a mattress over it. There's a lot of details in this section. Yeah, there is. And uh, when I saw the oxygen mask, I was confused. I was wondering, what is that for? And then for a second, I thought, did the the youngest uh, child survive, right? Did he all of a sudden, um, did he all of a sudden, you know, get saved at the last minute and they're like, have him on an oxygen oxygen mask because he's so damaged. But that didn't happen. So I was confused. I was like, what is this mask for? And then I did notice the the mattress uh, on top of the um, entryway to this underground, you know, area. And I thought, Bunker, well, that's smart. Yeah. You're going to use that to suppress sound. But it didn't click for me what that box was for yet until later on in the movie. It was explained to me. Oh, nice. That's a really good perspective that you actually thought, like, he survived. Because he has seen yeah. it for the first oh. time. I could totally see that. Yeah, but clearly it didn't happen. And I found that yeah. out very shortly after that scene was <laughs> was sure. done because i was like well if he would have survived i would have seen it by now uh and that's pretty much when uh lee pulls out a lighter and burns the belongings as a sad score continues and the sun has finally begun to fully set man yeah sad and that's when you can kind of tell it's like yeah he, he died yeah. sadly yeah uh we open a new scene of evelyn getting dinner ready for the family though Lee washes his hands and gives a look through the mirror and sees Regan signing to him that dinner is ready. The whole family begins to sit around dinner, the dinner table and not making a single sound. As they start filling their plates, they all begin to hold hands and start praying. The only source of light are the lit candles at this moment as well. We cut to them playing Monopoly, but instead of playing with the standard pieces, they are playing with cotton-shaped pieces <laughs> to not make a sound. A good touch. Another great touch. Yeah, exactly. Wow. I, I and I even, I mean, I'm sure everyone did this, but I, I was like, oh, they're using different pieces to not make sound. Like I said it out loud. It's just fun. It's fun figuring things out as you watch the movie. Exactly. It, it, it's the small details that matter to be like, yeah, this is the world they live in, mm-hmm. which is great. As the kids are playing, that's when they accidentally knock over a lantern, and a big crash sounds off. And I just put here on my notes because I actually did get generally jump scared. Yeah, here. same. And I've seen this movie several <laughs> times and I knew it was coming. That's still so got me. funny. It's, it's, the way it's messed up to say, but I was like, damn, this girl keeps messing things up. <laughs> but right, I felt bad for saying it. The thing that got me is that, or the thing about this movie, which is so great, is that it's so silent. So every loud sound actually got me. Yeah. It's it, really good tension building it, because it breaks the silence it works to its favor that it is a a film that's predominantly quiet so when you do have any sound and with it being horror right it's going to be typically loud or jumpy it works on it works to its favor so well right 
And then, uh, this is great too. It begins to start a quick fire, and Lee quickly jumps to action, not hesitating again. He's a man of action, I put here. <laughs> <laughs> he gets a blanket and covers the fire, putting it out. They all stay quiet, but look around and alert. They all look super worried at this moment. It stays quiet for a long time until we hear a bunch of birds flying away in the distance. And that's when it becomes quiet again. They begin to be relieved until they hear a loud bang. They hear a lot of metal bangs at this moment as well. And Lee tells them to stay quiet and looks out the window. We see something fall from the roof with a loud shriek. And see, it's just a bunch of raccoons. That actually made me chuck. <laughs> really? The raccoons? Yeah. yeah. I was like, ah! Darn raccoons. <laughs> Man. <laughs> uh, Lee looks back at the kids, more relieved, and Marcus, who knocked down the lantern, mouths out, I'm sorry, looking terrified. <laughs> Man. Uh. Uh. Great scene. This is fun. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, a new scene starts with a shot of outside with a bunch of lights hung up around the paths near the house. We see that the raccoons are on the path now until one of them, or one of the creatures, snatches one of them out of the field. And this what is when there? this is when I had the moment that I was like, the dropped lantern probably probably did um, taunt the creature to come over to their their barn or their farm. Um, right. And this is when uh, I had a moment where I realized, like, damn, these things must have incredible unworldly super hearing and must be so fast to take out you know the human population when there's only three confirmed um i feel like it could travel across a state no problem uh, at this point because i i have it hard to believe that this is something that has affected the entire world but there's only three confirmed, so it makes me think that these well, things can travel so quickly three confirmed in their area Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. But um, definitely, it, it sounds like from like the newspaper clippings, it, it's worldwide because it's, yeah. uh, they talk about different places and stuff like that. And he's also reaching every country as well on the radio and there's radio silence. Yeah. Which is That's, sad to think about. That, but, that makes more sense. Yeah. It's kind of funny how I thought there was three worldwide because I, I should have was thinking, is there three confirmed in the entire world and this thing can like travel so like fast it could fast. travel across countries like almost That'd at an instant crazy right but that would be a gnarly creature yeah <laughs> it doesn't make sense though by. because it's not that fast when we see it on screen but when right. you see it running across a field it's fast oh yeah oh it's it's like uh like a cheetah like that quick <laughs> yeah exactly uh, we cut to Lee working on the hearing aid in the room with all the radios. He turns it on and we hear a bunch of static feedback. Evelyn comes down the stairs of the basement and joins him. She hugs him from behind and it's a sweet moment. He turns and faces her and they stare in each other's eyes until he signs beautiful to her. She inflates her cheeks indicating that she has gotten big- bigger and he signs <laughs> I didn't say anything and they begin to laugh internally and smile. It was cute. Really cute moment. Yeah, it was a cute moment. And it's funny because you can understand what she's saying and she hasn't said anything. Yeah. She just inflates her cheeks and like, oh, I got bigger. <laughs> we were just assuming that. Yeah. And that's and that, pretty much his response. Like, I didn't say that. Yeah. It, it's an endearing moment. It shows how just how human these characters are, right? And even though it's like a rough, tough world, like they're very much 
loving people that just want to be safe and be with each other. Exactly. It's it's crazy that they're actually married, but you can see they have really organic chemistry, which makes perfect sense yeah. because they are married and they do love each other. So it's a good idea that they were in this movie together because I think that helped progress the movie a lot, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And then it continues. He gets up and begins to dance with her. She's wearing some headphones and gives one of the sides to him. Now we hear the song that is playing, and they continue to dance. Lee begins to feel her belly and kisses her forehead. They lock eyes and continue dance, dancing. That's when we fade slowly back, uh, slowly to black, and get a new text. Day 473. I do want to so. add, when they're dancing, um, Evelyn puts one of her headphones into Lee's ear, and the sound right. design makes it sound like you have a one headphone going in and um, right. the music yeah. starts playing when there's not really much music in this movie to begin with. I know it's been done before, but I love when movies do this. Uh, it, it creates a more sense of immersion for me. Um, and as someone that, you know, plays around with like audio equipment a lot, um, I'm always like putting on different types of headphones on all the time. Um, and I don't know. It felt realistic to me. I like the touch. Yeah. The nice thing about this movie, there's movies where you feel like you're watching a movie. And there's movies that feel like you're watching real people interact with the world that they're in. And this yeah. is one of those movies. Yeah. Even though it's over the top, it feels very genuine. It feels very real. It feels like you're in the situation with these characters, not these actors in this movie, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we open to a new scene outside their place on what seems to be a nice, beautiful day. We see Lee putting more sand on the paths and cut to Evelyn checking her blood pressure. She marks her calendar with the results and then the camera pans down the calendar, revealing her due date is coming very soon. She listens to the baby's heartbeat and we begin to hear it as well, which is great. It's really nice. Uh, the camera zooms back and we cut to a doorway shot of Regan quietly coming inside. In the house, we see patches of sand spots on the, uh, on the floorboards of the footsteps that are leading out through different rooms in the house. She carefully makes her way to the basement door and is just about to go down as Lee jump scares me again, grabbing her. <laughs> it was terrible. I'd seen this movie. It keeps jump scaring me. I yeah. swear to God, it's terrible. It, it got it's me. It's good. It got me too. Um, and it's really loud and very abrupt. So I can't blame you. Right. It's every time it's like quiet, you feel like you're safe. That's when something happens. <laughs> exactly. And this movie takes advantage of that. And they use the quietness to get to my emotions of getting jump scared. And I was like, <laughs> God damn it. Uh, but he takes her outside and says she's not allowed. He then begins to tell her about the hearing aid that he's trying to fix. She signs that it won't work. He says it will amplify the sound. She again says it won't work. He responds with, we'll keep trying until it does. Which I think was a really great moment. This broke my heart. I, I could see in Lee's face how hard he's trying and how he just wants to help her. And of course, Reagan oh, is yeah. like frustrated and taking it out on her dad. But I felt like she, I mean, she, yeah, she has every right to be frustrated. But she, I felt like she was very much like, attackingly and it broke my heart i was like oh dude this is such a good father you should be so thankful that he's not giving up and he you should learn 
a thing or two about his perseverance because you can't give up either, right? Like you have nothing to lose if you keep trying. Um, so I, I love right. I love this moment. Uh, it shows how much Lee truly, truly cares about his kids. I absolutely agree. I, that's definitely his motive, his uh, intentions. I mean, is that he's trying to help her and stuff like that. You know what happened when I rewatched this movie, seeing this scene? What's that? I feel like he, she feels that he is blaming her that she couldn't hear um, the younger sibling when it happened. And maybe she's taking the person's like, oh, you just want me to like be able to hear because you blame me for being deaf, not being able to save the younger one. Interesting. So did, like did you see that as being portrayed or you think that's what she perceives? I don't think that's what it was portrayed, but or that's not the situation. But I think that had something to do with her thinking her father didn't love her because of who she was. And Got you. The actions that's ver- she was doing. That's a very interesting take because I, I thought she was just frustrated that it's like she has come to the point that nothing works. There's no point in trying. But you're saying that you're only trying to fix my hearing because you're I was such a handicap. Me. Possibly. Okay, that's a really interesting take. Think about it. Yeah. But he tries to give it to her, but she says, stop, stop, just stop. In sign language. He looks disappointed and hands it over to her and leaves. She sobs for a little bit, and then we cut back to Evelyn teaching Marcus some schoolwork. They share this cute moment of him solving a problem and her signing, amazing. She notices Lee, and he signs that it's time for Marcus and him to go. Marcus, being afraid, tells his mother not to make him go. She says that he will be fine and says, your father will always protect you. Always. He begins to hold her hand. She continues that it's important for him to learn these things. That way he can protect himself and her when she gets old and has no teeth. (laughs) Which I thought was hilarious. There's a lot of lovable moments in this movie where you just see their relationship and it's great. Yeah, they really want you to see this family as a real family and i think they they nailed it oh for sure uh they both laugh and she says don't worry and kisses him on the forehead we cut to them all outside and lee telling marcus it will be okay regan wants to go but he says that she has to stay here and protect her mother she isn't happy and storms off evelyn gives him a look and he signs next time and they both head off to the distance we see regan in a room frustrated and begins to become very sad She looks at her hearing aid and tries it on. It gives light feedback and she begins to snap, but we hear nothing. She looks sad and tries to hold in her crying to stay quiet. She begins to pack stuff up in the backpack and she's going to run away. And it seems like she's going to run away. She stops and opens a drawer and takes something out of it and puts in the backpack as well. And then also taking the pliers. We cut to Lee and Marcus now fishing on the river. Lee shows that they caught a fish and it escapes and splashes into the water. Marcus gets very afraid that it made a loud sound. He tells him, listen, that the river makes enough noise that it hides any small sounds and that he is safe. Marcus is still looking around, worried, and Lee says he wants to show him something. That's when we cut to Regan walking from the house down the path. Then we see Evelyn in the basement doing some laundry. She climbs up the steps but the bag of laundry gets stuck on that nail on one of the floorboards on one of the steps. She pulls and breaks it free, but ultimately lifts the nail straight up. 
she even stumbles on the steps as well. I mean, I, I think everyone felt this when they watched this for the first time. There's such yeah. an emphasis on the nail that you're like, oh, that's going to be a thing later, isn't it? Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of great setup where yeah. the viewer gets information that the characters do not. And we get to pay off later on in the movie. And it's just, yeah, it's great. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, pretty much here too. We get a close-up shot of the nail as well, which is a nice little touch from the director's side to say like, yeah, remember this. <laughs> uh, we cut to a waterfall with Lee and Marcus sitting by it. Uh, he looks at him and then begins to howl very loudly. He is super afraid and he speaks in a normal tone of voice that he is all right. Marcus begins to howl, but the camera is on the other side of the waterfall, showing that they are muffled from the sound of the waterfall. I thought this was a great scene. Yeah, it's really cool. How cool is that? Yeah, I have to agree. This, oh, if I was in their situation, I'd be going to this waterfall like all the time and just like have conversations, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, heck yeah, this is where we could just talk normally and be loud and do whatever we want. It's a nice break from the reality of the world that they live in, which is... Mm-hmm. Honestly, probably necessary for Marcus because he always seems very tense. Yeah, and I, I think it's Marcus's character does such a good job in portraying the fear and the anxiety of like, no, it's not worth making any sound. Um, but I mean, because it really just shows like what effect this could have on someone that knows nothing but to be quiet. I mean, Marcus's Marcus probably remembers you know what life was like before this but i mean when you're so young like at this point like a majority of your life probably feels like it's just been this right they're almost they're over a year about a year and a half uh in this lifestyle and i feel like the younger you are the longer a year feels because you haven't experienced many years in your life so a year could feel like forever for a kid and a, a year of being afraid to make noise i could i love how the anxiety is portrayed even when he hears Lee scream, he's like, no, 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 what are you doing? And I, I, I thought it was well done. It's great because it gives a chance for him to be just a kid and just yeah. like how along with his dad. Yeah. Because he has to like grow up so quick and be so afraid all the time and be not making any mistakes at all. Mm-hmm. Because you can't even tell when he um, was it pushed over the lantern he was terrified and said, like, I'm sorry, like, super scared that he messed up. Like, he yeah. knew he messed up really hard. And so that's the life he lives. Yeah, they're traumatized by they're traumatized by the death of their their younger brother. Right. And right. It's it's probably going to torment him forever. And it's that much scarier now to make that noise because it's either something's coming for you or something's going to take you just like something took your little brother. And that's just, that's just sad. (laughs) Especially when you say it like that, right? It's, it's scary to hear. Absolutely. Completely agree. It was a nice touch of this movie to have this scene. Mm -hmm. Uh, We cut back to Evelyn hanging up the clothes to dry. Uh, Then she goes upstairs in the main house, looking at the corner room. We switch to Regan still walking down a path from what looks like pretty far away from home at this point. Then back with Lee and Marcus. Marcus asks why didn't why didn't he let Regan come and if he blames her for what happened. We come back to Regan walking down the same bridge where the accident has happened. Then back with Lee saying no. And Marcus says that she blames herself. 
we see Regan te- uh, crossing the bridge. At the very end of the bridge, she sees that there's a cross. And then we cut back to Evelyn, who's now in the room where we see it used to be where her dead son used to be, mm-hmm. which is very sad. Yeah. And I like during this scene, uh, Marcus and Leo are having this conversation. It's like, oh, do you think she was at fault? Do you not like her? And then we see the contrast between Evelyn being in the room of what used to be her dead son's room. And then also pretty much Regan going back to the scene of where it happened. So it was good. Like, I don't know. It was really good. Yeah. Editing, it, I would say. Yeah. It just it lets you connect to these characters and this family a lot more. And it's it's just sad. It's plainly sad, and it's it's such yeah. a bummer. But also, I think it's cool that they they have Marcus ask Lee, like, "Do you blame her?" Because, like, of course, these kids are gonna like think about that sort of thing and maybe talk about oh, it. Yeah. Um, the sense of guilt, yeah, is definitely haunting for someone to carry mm-hmm. that with them all yeah. this time, especially as a kid. Yeah, damn. Yeah. But Lee says it was no one's fault. And we cut to Evelyn crying in the room and Regan at the bridge laying down the space shuttle where the cross is. Marcus asks if he still loves her and he says, of course I do. Evelyn turns the toy on, but the sound has been taken out, so it's just lighting up instead. We cut back to Marcus saying, you should tell her. And I feel like that was very important uh, to have that being said by Marcus. It's like, if you do love her, you should let her know that. That way she doesn't feel the way that she does. Yeah. And what I actually think is, this is how I took this scene. I I think Lee has a moment of realizing that maybe he does hold a little blame because he's like, maybe at that moment he realizes like, yeah, I haven't told her I loved her. And maybe there's a reasoning for that. Um, Or maybe he doesn't say I love you to either of his kids because of what other things are on his mind, like the stress of keeping them alive. But maybe in that moment, he has a realization. It's like, I do need to tell my kids I love them more, especially in yeah. such a difficult moment of our lives and this new reality. So through just that uh, subtle expression through John Krasinski's face in that moment, I thought it said, it spoke volumes. Right. It was a moment of enlightenment. I was like, mm-hmm. right, man. My little son is spitting out facts. Like maybe I <laughs> yeah. should. Yeah. It's like, wow, this is a great therapy session. <laughs> uh, they begin to hear or let me see. Oh, so they begin to head back to the house and they run into an abandoned house that looks like it has been broken into. They continue on. We see Marcus continuing walking and we spot a man in the background and him running into his dad who has stopped dead in his tracks. He turns, noticing the old guy there. We see a dead woman on the ground who has been attacked. We can make the assumption that this was probably his wife. He looks extremely sad looking back at him. Lee gestures him to be quiet, and that's when he begins to close his eyes like he's about to sob, but then just starts yelling. I hate this guy. How do you feel about this? So I, when we see the dead body and then we see him, the older gentleman, I, I didn't right. know maybe if this guy had killed this woman, I don't know what the relation was, uh, but sure. it's something when I saw this and uh, the way you portrayed it right now, it seems like something happened. These two were husband and wife maybe. And he, this guy was just so devastated. He started screaming. I took it as this guy snapped, maybe killed this woman um, and saw those two and was already planning on 
killing himself or something, but was like, I'm going to take you guys with me. Um, so gotcha. that's how I saw oh, it as. Yeah, yeah. Because I thought, I thought this guy was just fucking twisted, especially with the face he was making. He was like, I'm going to get a big old scream ready coming right from my chest and I'm going to take you two out. Um, cause yeah, I mean, Lee even told him to hush with his finger. Uh, but this guy just, just screamed and he made a twisted ass face. Like it was, it was a little disturbing the face he made when he was like getting a scream ready, but man, how traumatizing Marcus saw this dead body. Very traumatizing. I would imagine for a young boy. Um, and then not only that, his biggest fear, um, someone made noise and the monsters are coming now. Right. And it's right. all that, it's that fear oh, again man. that I said earlier, are the monsters that killed my brother going to come kill me and my dad too? What a crazy scene. Uh, yeah. My perspective is that they really emphasize this house. And this time around, I was trying to pay more attention to it because I never thought anything of it. But you can tell some of the windows were like broken into like the glass yeah, I was saw going that. towards the house, like inside I the house. That. And I was like, oh, this is probably like their home that they were holed up against. And then yeah. that happened to, it, I'm assuming it's his wife. And he's just yeah. so built in with so much emotion that he was trying to control it. But he just let it out trying to commit like suicide. And he was over the situation. He was like, I'm done. I lost a person I loved. And I'm just, I'm over it. I don't care that's that a, you're in front of me. But that's a very like good perspective. perspective yeah, that's a very good perspective it's, because I noticed the house was broken up like the glass was broken and there was like spray paint um and i took it as maybe this guy was a looter that came okay, and like yeah fucked this house up and fucked this woman up or now that we're having this conversation maybe they had looters come and they killed his wife if this guy is her husband and like you said which is oh so overcome with emotion just screamed right and i love that they don't really give us an answer because it's up to like us to decide what we think it was. Yeah, it's to interpret it differently. We have different perspectives on this too, because it could be either way. It's it's nuts. It's the world that they live in. Yeah, they just have to survive, and we yeah. don't have to know exactly what that guy's situation really was. But the main point is that he screamed. He screamed really loud. Mm-hmm. But again, Lee, a man of action, without hesitation, grabs Marcus and starts to bolt the hell out of there. They go far enough and take shelter by a tree and holds Marcus's mouth closed. He begins to hear a lot of movement in the woods with branches breaking around them and hear some growling. We cut back to the old man and sees one of the creatures behind him and then jumps up and kills him. Man. I gotta <laughs> say with gone. Mar- Marcus's reaction of covering his uh, ears and closing his eyes, it's you could tell it's like PTSD of like thinking about the sounds he heard when his brother was killed and right. again i know i keep saying this sentence but really good touch right everything has an effect it's like a domino effect yeah everything exactly. snowballs into like the next scene the next scene the next scene mm-hmm. it's, it's well crafted uh we get a small glimpse of the creature at this point too and we just see it's huge and has like some very long limbs and that's pretty much all we can tell at this point uh, we cut back to Lee looking that direction as we continue to hear the growls and screeches coming from the creature. We cut back to Evelyn, and it's now nighttime. She begins to walk, and that's when her water breaks. Ooh, oh, another no. element into this yeah. craziness. It's like, oh, here we go. It's like, this is where it gets interesting. 
Yeah. Uh, she quickly walks down the hall and then down the stairs and sits at the bottom of the steps. She gets up real quick and then starts going towards the basement. I was like, oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> she starts going down the stairs, and that's when she steps right onto the uh, rail. Uh, In my notes, I just put, yikes. Bella and I couldn't even look at the screen. She was like, tell me when it's over. Tell me when it's over while I have my hands <laughs> covering that part of the screen. I'm like, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. Um, but yeah, that's and gruesome, that's man. That's a big Ugh. nail. Yeah, I can't nail. just oh, just thinking about it. It's giving me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Uh, but this is the big thing. Her in pain holds Ugh. herself from screaming, but drops something <sighs> on the ground, crashing it to the floor. Yeah, she sobs quietly and slowly lifts her foot off the nail, and I just put it again. It's a Ugh. big nail. Yeah, it fuck. takes a while for it to fully get off it. <sighs> just thinking uh, about it, man. Goes, <laughs> and it's hard because she's obviously in pain and she's just holding everything back from her mm-hmm. screaming, crying, and you can tell that she really wants to like express how much pain she has, but she cannot. And her water just broke. On top of and that. And her water broke. And she's having contractions. It's yep. nuts. Uh, she goes all the way down to the bottom of the basement and flips a switch that turns all of the warning red lights outside. They, and I just put here, they had a plan for emergencies. And I put here, chef's kiss. Good job. <laughs> they planned everything out in this movie. Yeah, like, it's cool. Yeah. Uh, we see her start to head towards the stairs. But that's when we see one of the creatures pass by the top of it. She slowly backs away, not making any noise. She hears a bunch of sounds and crashes upstairs. She picks up a kitchen timer as she begins to get more contractions at that time. She inhales and exhales as quietly as she can. So we start to see Lee and sorry, go for it. Sorry, I just wanted to add it. At this point when yeah. the reveal that, you know, the monster has come and it's because she even though she held her scream, she dropped something and made a lot of noise. Right. When I see um, the monsters enter the house. I literally said out loud, "I I want to faint." <laughs> like I was, it no was so way. overwhelming because it was like her water broke. She stepped on the nail, and now the monsters here. Like this is too much. Just I'm just gonna pass out. <laughs> That's what's but, great about this movie. So yeah. many moving pieces, and it just works. Mm-hmm. Man, uh, and it gets wilder, which I love. Uh, we see that Lee and Marcus are. Close to returning to the house, and that's when Lee notices the red lights. That's, again, when he's very action-orientated, bolts towards the house really fast. <laughs> Dude, this, Evelyn, Lee does a lot of running in this. Oh, for sure. A lot of to the rescue. As hell. <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't hesitate, which I love. He, yeah. he just sees something, bolts. Yeah. Sees something, runs. Man of action. Yeah, it made me realize how, how much that happens now that we're talking about it. <laughs> that's why like every time I put bolts I'm like oh he does this a lot <laughs> John Krasinski was like I gotta play the hero I gotta make sure my character just is a man of action maybe while filming he's like I'm getting kind of fat I'm gonna make this guy <laughs> run a lot <laughs> it's like um, maybe we'll take uh, another take do another run maybe <laughs> but Evelyn begins to hide behind the water heater as we begin to hear the creature walking down the stairs and makes some crazy hissing and clacking noises. And that's when she begins to have more contractions and holds her pain in to not make any sounds. At we this get point, this nice cl- yeah. Sorry, at this point, I love that we hear the monster. I love clicking noises with monsters. I think it's such a good right. touch because it's just so twisted to hear. 
but like the the click 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 while you hear it like growling. Ugh, it's really it's a really good touch. It gives a little bit of a character to the creature too. Yeah. Like what kind of like weird disturbing sounds it's coming from to know like how close it's getting to the characters and how scary it sounds like too. It creates mm-hmm. a, a different layer of uh tension and like yep. suspense building and stuff like that. So yeah, they did a good job with this too. And we'll talk about the fun facts about the creature later on too. Uh, this is when we get a nice close-up shot of the creature now as well. We see that it has a huge mouth with huge teeth and is able to open its head, allowing it to enhance its hearing. That's when we get a close-up to the creature's inner ear, listening to the sound of the timer ticking, and it's pretty loud at this point. But that's when the camera cuts to the kitchen timer on the pipe with a softer sound clicking coming from it. And this is pretty much how we can tell that it can enhance how loud the sounds come through with the creature's ear, which is uh, nice it, Yeah, and I love how it looks. Uh, I love that it's very detail-oriented when we see it right. opening. Right, see, like, its tendons and, like, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but it's, like, in segments of its yeah, head opening. It's, it's just fascinating to watch, and it's not, like, gross to look at either. I think it's a really good balance of just seeing the anatomy of it and just understanding how super powerful it is oh for sure you could tell like it has it's like what people put on like those newspapers like armor and then it's like releases itself to be a little bit vulnerable to use its main power essentially which is great uh but that's when the timer bell rings and the creature growls and rushes over to the corner destroying it as evelyn sneaks her way past it she's able to go up to the main floor but stops at the front door we see that another one of those creatures is outside clacking as well around the front of the house. We are now with Lee and Marcus looking from afar. Lee gives Marcus a flashlight and signs him the word rocket. And he needs his help to go make a sound that's louder than what is going on. That his mother needs his help and that he can do this. He kisses him and sends him off. That's when we see Marcus run down the path. Evelyn is now upstairs in the bathtub trying to control her contractions. We begin to see blood drip from her, and the baby is indeed coming at this point. And I just put here that this is some fantastic acting coming from Emily Blunt, too. Like, her facial expressions, the way she's pretty much stealing this scene. I was like, good job, Emily Blunt. You're killing Yeah, she's, she's doing incredible. Right. Uh, we hear one of the creatures begin to climb up the stairs. Marcus reaches a box in the sand and tries to light a lighter, and we cut back to Evelyn in the tub with the creature just reaching the top of the stairs. He's able to light a wick and runs away. Lee grabs a shotgun and some shells and zooms back to Evelyn with an overhead shot of her in the tub with a light flickering. She's about to give birth at this point, and we hear loud noises coming from the creature basically right behind her, but is off screen. We see her to begin to start screaming at the top of her lungs, giving birth. At the same time, we cut to a loud firework going off outside. Man, I this is such a cool moment, and I think this was in the initial trailers for this movie. Um, but uh, such an intense yeah. moment. It, it puts you on edge. Um, I think the lights flicker whenever the monster is near. Am I right in thinking that? Yes. Okay, So yeah. My theory, my crazy theory, the creature has some type of frequency that it puts out 
that causes electricity to go a little bit haywire, which is the reason why some of the frequencies are used against it. I don't know if that's true or not. I, I could yeah. imagine that you're absolutely right with that because that sounds pretty spot on. Um, it, there's definitely something coming out of the creature causing electricity to be funky for sure. Yeah. I just don't but, know what it is. But yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I always saw this depicted in the trailers. At least I remember thinking I did. Um, but even knowing it was coming and seeing it in action, man, was I on the edge of my seat. I I was just like, what's going to happen? And then when she started screaming, I'm like, no. But then we have the fireworks go off. And it's just, it's, of course, it's very on top of the timing. Like, oh, like, what are the chances of the firework going off right at that moment but it's still fun and relieving and uh it doesn't seem corny or overdone it's just it's very relieving to see it happen and quite the firework show very nice yeah they had a good amount of yeah like yeah (laughs) very diverse fireworks that they put out there it was cool i love that scene It, it just shows how much uh ability that emily blunt has as an actress giving so much emotion in just one scene and progresses how good she is later on in her career, which I can't yeah. wait for her to be in more movies and see her in part two. <laughs> but Regan from afar sees the fireworks go off and starts running back home. The fireworks continue as Lee comes to the house with the shotgun and heads upstairs following her bloody footprints from the nail. He makes it to the bathroom and sees an empty tub filled with blood. He begins to think the worst has happened. And I just put here, great acting from John Krasinski at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get another jump scare from the shower glass door of a bloody hand smacking it. Evelyn is inside and alive, and the baby is born. He kisses her and embraces her. And I just put here, wow, great scene. Yeah, so I had thought she was having a miscarriage when the blood was pouring oh. out. Um, so, again, yeah. very relieving that she... Um, you know, that we get to see the babies okay. But at the same time, I'm thinking, yeah. oh no, there's a newborn baby in the mix now. Babies make noise. <laughs> yes. yes, they do. As our head uh, knight will know, Prince, I bet you you're going to have a lot of fun with that. <laughs> uh, it was funny because watching this movie yesterday, I was like, oh, I know that Prince is at the hospital right now. I was like, I wonder if she's giving birth the same time I'm watching Emily Blunt give birth. <laughs> and I, I think like, it's how very, would that be? I think it's very funny and how just coincidental that, you know, today is Ellie's birthday and we were watching a, right. a horror film where there was a, a childbirth that happened. Uh, what are the odds? Makes the most sense. Yeah. Maybe he planned this movie to be around this time because of this. Maybe. I see you, Head Knight. I see you, friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're back in the cornfield and we see Marcus coming back towards the house. We begin to hear a bunch of branches break around him. He uses the flashlight to look around and starts to po- uh, and it begins to power off. The noises continues and he gets too scared and begins to run. Too afraid to think, he goes off path and into the cornfield, making a ton of noise, which makes the creature hear him. We hear growls <sighs> catching up behind him as he looks back and runs into a big tire. Dang it, Marcus. Why? Yeah. I, I was at this point I was like, kid, you just gotta stay calm and you'll be okay. And when he ran into the field, I was like, What are you doing? That's not being calm. You're making noise. But I think knocking into the tire worked to his favor because it knocked him oh, down sure. and he stopped making noise. 
yeah, it, it was funny to think that he was so cautious and always like super aware of like not making noise and then he runs into the field. But it just shows that he's just still a kid and he's just generally too scared to think yeah. about it at this moment. Yeah. Like he just wants out. He's scared for his life. And it makes sense. I would be too. But you gotta think what you do, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Lee carries his wife and newborn into the barn. The baby is beginning to cry, and he starts to walk a little faster and lowers underground. He puts the bed mattress over the opening. The baby continues to cry as he quickly puts the oxygen mask around it and puts the baby into the crib. He closes the crib with the lid, which stops the cries from getting out. Man, crazy. Yeah, so Uh, now I was like, oh, I see what that was for, the oxygen mask, because... I I straight up was like, what are they going to do with this baby if it's going to be crying and stuff? It was freaking me out, man. And I was like, what could they possibly do? They can't do anything. Um, and when they put the oxygen max, mass on, I was wondering, is this going to make the baby stop crying? Like, uh, You could still hear it. And when they put the box on top of the child, I was like, oh, they they really thought about this. Makes sense kind of fucked up but i mean what choice do you have it's either do this or the baby can die right um but i love they, that they really, they really took the, this out yeah and and i think I, I love that the safe the safe house uh or safe room was made for for this occasion um but sadly it doesn't last <laughs> no really not at all not long at all yeah uh, we cut to Regan on the path surrounded by the cornfield looking around. We, we are in her perspective at this point and we can't hear any noise at now. Uh, we see a creature coming out of the cornfield onto the path behind her, but, but, she, but I can't see. And I just put here, that's an amazing scene because her not being able to hear, but the monster not being able to see her and using like the hearing to his advantage and her sight for her advantage was like a really good contrast of them being both on the cornfield and basically not seeing each other or knowing each other are there. So I was like, awesome. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, we get a shot of the creature snarling and gets its big mouth filled with sharp teeth open right behind her. It opens its head and tries to listen. It picks up the frequency of her hearing aid and it disturbs it. It hurts the creature as much, and it screeches and runs away. We get this quick flashback of when her child died, and Evelyn wakes up quickly. And in his normal voice now, he tells her it's okay. That Very she is quickly. safe, and they cannot hear us. Very quickly. I want to add in, um, so you know the part where uh, Reagan's um, earpiece goes off, and it kind of disrupts the monster and makes it run away? Right. I actually didn't like that part all that much. I thought it was a little safe. This is the only moment in the movie. Actually, there's one other moment in the movie I wasn't too much of a fan of. But I thought to myself, uh, I mean, that's a typical route. The Someone's weakness, something that's perceived to be weak, would be their greatest strength. And films have done that before. It was a, a safe route um, where what some may portray as weak is strength. Um, but yeah, that, that moment I was like, I actually had a moment where I said out loud, it would be that, but there has to be something, right? There has to be something <laughs> to combat it. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it was definitely intentional choice to have the hearing aid be that thing. 
just because it's the thing that her father was constantly working on, the thing to have them be connected, to really show that she he loved her, and having that one item be the thing that's the saving grace. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was very intentional for it. I could definitely see your perspective of like, yeah, it's kind of a safe choice. But at the same time, it, it works. And it works well for the movie to progress to like the ending and what we'll see probably in uh, the second movie. But I could definitely see that being a moment. It's like, oh, yeah, it would be that thing. Yeah, exactly. But at the same time, it makes sense. It's that thing. Yeah, it does. So I give it a sliding pass, even though I do <laughs> agree with you. It's like, yeah, it's a little cliche, but yeah. it, it makes sense. Okay. Yeah. I'm glad that we kind of see eye to eye on that. Yeah. Uh, so he continues to say that she is safe and that they cannot hear us. She said it worked. And he responds that she has to rest now. She asks where the kids are, and he responds that he will find them. She explains that she was with her talking about Regan, but she had to do laundry. She then says he was with you. How did? And before she continues, he says rockets, emphasizing their emergency plan. She says that he should still be there, and Regan is smart enough to have found a place to stay quiet. They know what to do, he explains. The baby cries, and he looks at it. Um, this is when Evelyn says she says that it's a boy. She then says that she could have carried him. He was so heavy, wasn't he? I can still feel the weight into my arms. Small, but so heavy. And my hands were free. I was carrying the bag, but my hands were free, and I could have carried him. I should have carried him. Who are we if we cannot protect them? Who are we? You have to protect them. Promise me. You will protect them. I just put here, great moment. Great yeah. dialogue. Great script. It, it, it shows Good It movie. shows it very much shows that like this child is not an attempt to replace their previous child that passed away. They love their, their children right. individually and they they ultimately are surviving for the future of their children. And she is very right. much vocalizing that and expressing it to Lee. It's like we are here to protect them. That's all we're here to do. If we can't do that, then what is the point of us? Who are we? Um, and right. I think that's beautiful that uh, that you as a parent are understanding and willing to make those sacrifices in such a hard world. But yeah, it's a beautiful moment. Couldn't agree more. And this is the first time we start to see that she feels guilty about what happened too, where she yeah. could have done something. Yeah. And you she's could... telling him, like, this is what we have to do now. We can't mess up like this. We are here for them. And that's it. Yeah. You could see that everyone feels guilt in their own way. And no one's really blaming other people. Right. Everyone's blaming themselves. Exactly. Which is a great tactic to have in this movie because you see... A lot of growth from every single of the characters. So yeah. it works. Uh, we cut to Evelyn outside finding the flashlight that Marcus has dropped. And Marcus's hand reaches out and grabs her. They hug in relief of finding each other. Lee comes out and covers the hole again. He quietly makes his way outside. The camera stays inside the barn this time. And we see running water spilling all over the floor. Uh-oh. Yeah, at this point I was like, no, <laughs> of course nothing could go right. Right, and it's just like the camera follows the water. You just see a ton of water just spilling into the barn. And it's like, yeah, they're underground. I know where this is going. Yeah. 
but yeah. Uh, this is when we cut to the kids on top of the silo with a lit fire. They are trying to signal where they are with the fire being lit. We see Lee at the security cameras looking for his kids. Marcus signs that he'll be looking for them, and she say, and she say, she shakes her head no, which is sad to even think about. Uh, we continue to see the water fall to the ground, and now it's dripping underground where Evelyn and the baby are. The room is beginning to flood, and the crib begins to float. Evelyn begins to see one of the creatures has made it down there as well. She slowly gets up into the water, and the creature dives under the water. How do you feel about that scene? Just seeing Dude. her get up, and then you just see the creature just dive underwater, and you're like, uh-uh, don't like it, that. It made me realize that I am afraid of creatures diving into water right in front of me <laughs> and not knowing where it's going to go if it's coming yeah, for me. Sure. Yeah, I mean, like, I've never and thought about that before. In that water. Yeah, but right. man, that was a scary moment. Like, not spoopy, but scary. And yeah, I... Bella and I, when we saw that, we both said synchronized. Oh, hell no. <laughs> it's definitely one of those hell no moments. Yeah. I would like slowly gets back onto the bed. <laughs> uh, but no, good for her. She obviously, like she said, who are they to not protect their children? So definitely yeah. go protect your child. She goes towards the crib slowly and we hear the baby starting to make some noise. She picks up the baby, and, and we begin to see the creature slowly raise from the water. It growls and clicks towards her as she backs up slowly. She goes behind a wall of falling water, and that takes away some of the noise. Back with Lee, he is in the cornfields and finds the girl's bag. The creature is now moving closer towards her, and or now we're back with Evelyn. Uh, the creature is now moving closer towards her and the baby, and is trying to listen for them. We cut to Evelyn telling Marcus they need to go, that he will only come to save him, but not her. It's a little heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, Marcus walks around to tell her she's wrong, but one of the panels breaks from the silo, and he falls in. Damn. He's, this family just can't catch a break. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the creature hearing the metal breaking leaves the room, technically saving Evelyn and the baby at this point. So there was some bright side to it, at least. Yeah, there's always a silver lining uh, with everything that's happened in this world so oh, far. Sure. There's a lot, like I said, a lot of moving pieces, and it just works very well. Yeah, that's that's a way better way to put it. Great script writing. Yeah. Uh, Lee heard it as well and sees the silo. Evelyn looks down and sees that Marcus is sinking... Or no, not Evelyn. Uh, Regan looks down and sees that Marcus is sinking in the kernels. A panel falls in as well at that moment. That's when we transition to an awesome shot of Lee on top of the tractor looking at the cornfield. And we see that there's a creature moving super fast through it going towards the silo. He turns towards it with a lot of concern. Regan then jumps in and moves the panel towards Marcus so he can get on top. He's able to get on top, but now she's beginning to sink and fully goes under. Marcus so, reaches down after a long while of tension, is able to pull her out of it. How are you feeling when you were watching this scene? Because there's a lot of sense of tension in this. Dude, at this point, I so whenever I, I am watching something and people, strangely enough, not so much in water, but when people sink in different areas or they're in small spaces, sure. I start 
like inhaling and holding my breath because I feel like I'm about to go under. And the, the scary thing about this is like it's not water, so you can't swim through it. If you're sinking, yeah. you're, you're just going to the bottom because of gravity. And the reality of trying to breathe while like all these seeds or whatever they are just like in your face, you're going to not get that much oxygen or you're going to inhale these seeds or whatever they are. And it, it's, it started making me feel claustrophobic and started making me breathe very heavily. It was very tense. You know, I, it was weird. As a kid, I had a very bad experience going into a foam pit that I, I sunk yeah. under and I couldn't get myself out. And so someone had oh, to like help no. me. Yeah, that that's was terrifying. Like the worst experience because you don't see, it's not clear, it's foam. Yeah, so you it's don't not see water. It above or below you. You don't know what's up, what's down. You, you get disorientated. It's a terrible feeling. Oh, that's so, so scary. Every time I see a movie like this, it gives me anxiety of that. And I was just I like, bet. damn. It's like, ah, ugh. Ugh, damn, Gross. that's scary. But Marcus reaches down after a long while and then is able to pull her up, which is good. Now they're both on the panel. We cut to Lee sprinting down the path towards them. Again, running. Good man. Keep the cardio up. <laughs> uh, Marcus signals her to be quiet, and we hear something outside of the silo. We see the creature now jump down and tries to attack them. They flip over the panel to use it as a shield to protect themselves. That's when Regan's hearing aid goes off again. And this angers the creature, and it begins to hurt it. It runs off, breaking through the wall of the silo, and they both look at each other with a big opening. Uh, they both look at each other, and then they see the big opening that it made, which is huge. Like, it just again, broke through there like nothing. Again, this is what you were talking about, right? The the domino effect or the snowball effect. Like, every, uh, every effect has a cause. Because I'm sure when they're in this, you're thinking, like, how are they going to get out? They can't climb uh, to the ceiling to exit. And because of the noise right. they made, they were able to attract the monster and because of Reagan's um, earpiece, it was able to disrupt it and then causing them to escape. So again, a lot of good like linear storytelling. For sure. It's, it's like they mapped out the story really well. Yeah. They had a place to go and they knew exactly not from A to Z, but they knew B, C, D, E, F, G, all the letters along towards mm-hmm. it, which I loved. <laughs> Uh, back with Evelyn in the basement, she checks the cameras. Lee makes it to the silo and sees her his kids jump out of it. They give him a big hug. Evelyn sees it from the security cameras as well, which is a very sweet moment. Uh, we cut back to the three of them and hear one of the creatures. He tells them to be quiet and slowly looks around. He says that they should try to get to the truck. The kids make it to the truck and Evelyn goes under it while Marcus goes inside it. Lee grabs an axe from a barrel and looks around. Uh, I said it was an axe, but I'm not really sure what it was. It was like a pickaxe or something like that. I don't know. It looked like an axe, yeah. yeah. Uh, We see... Okay, we see some movement above him, and we see that the creature is on top of the overhead. We see him quickly turning and taking a swing at it, but it it smacks him, and he gets down for the count. Marcus, watching, opens the truck door and screams, Dad, really Ugh. loudly. Yeah, it's painful. It's it's like he the scream is you feel it. You hear the torment in the scream because he's like, <sighs> yeah, my dad is next to die in our family. Um, So it's very right. sad. It's a painful scream for sure. Yeah. 
this one of the things like he's not thinking right now to be quiet. It's just pure emotion coming yeah. out of him of just opening the door and just yelling dad as loud as yeah. he can. Yep, his emotions take over. Um, oh, for sure. Uh, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Uh, Evelyn watches in fear for them through the cameras. Evelyn hops, or no, sorry, Regan hops in the truck now and slams the door shut. The creature hears it and heads towards them. Her hearing aid goes off again and bothers her that she turns it off, and then we hear nothing but silence in her perspective again. We see a terrified Marcus looking at something, and Evelyn turns to look. The creature then begins to attack them in the truck. We cut back to the axe on the ground, and Lee is still alive and grabs it and pulls himself up. The creature continues attacking the truck. Lee looks from afar and makes a noise by dropping the axe on the ground. Evelyn looks at her dad as he signs to her, I love you. I have always loved you. Man. I just put here, heartbreaking. Yeah. This was, uh, this got me in my feels. I, uh, I, I mean, I think at this point, most people know what's coming and what Lee is going to do. Um, and the look on Reagan's face when she is seeing what he's signing, um, she has right. this moment of just like, it seems like she's having an out-of-body experience where she's like, what's, no, like, that's, this can't be happening. He's not gonna, right? But we, as viewers, know. Sorry, guys. I think we have some uh, technical difficulties. Hey, okay. I did hear oh, cool. some silence, but <laughs> sorry about that, folks. <laughs> no, we're good. You're back, or I'm back, depending on which one <laughs> of us was. But yeah, the last but, thing I had yeah. said was that she has this moment where she sees her dad and is like, is he going to do what I think he's going to do? And then what happens, Freddie? Yeah. That's when he begins to scream, and the emotion is wild. The creature stops attacking the truck and snarls. It bolts towards him, now away from the kids. Marcus releases the brake of the truck, and it begins to roll away. As they roll away, Evelyn watches her father get, or uh, Regan watches her father get killed, and it's super sad seeing her facial expression. I the gotta truck say, rolls all the way to the house. I gotta yeah. say, Freddie, I am a sucker for uh heroic sacrifice if you especially if it's like a a protagonist if a protagonist sacrifices themselves in a heroic way man i am such a sucker when good people sacrifice themselves it gets me it makes me immediately love whatever story is being portrayed because it it had me grow to like a character and they were taken away in a noble way i'm just like bravo you got me. Like, I, I, no matter what, it may sound basic and cheesy, but I love it. And it's really sad, but I love that it gets me feeling those emotions, that it makes me just sad, but also just like, damn, what a fucking hero. Um, but yeah, I, I, it might be basic for me to say this, I, but my favorite part yeah. of the movie. I, I, I agree. I completely agree. I love moments like this, especially where he gets the final words out that he does love her. Yeah. And he's yeah. finally Ooh. able to say that to her before those final moments. 
it comes full circle. It's like, I don't blame you. You're my daughter. I love you. And he's like, I've always loved you. As that yeah. last statement is like, no matter what has happened in our lives, I've always loved you. I've always taken care of you. And then like later on in the movie, we can tell the confirmation that he really did care about her in the later scene. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those moments. It's like, it's heartbreaking to see. Uh, John Krasinski had a great moment in this movie with that scene as well. He acted his ass off. Um, yeah. The scream is just so emotional and you can feel it. And what it's just, I love. Uh, it's a very powerful scene. Yeah. What I love about the scream is he's screaming and it's not a scream that says, come get me. I'm ready to fight. It's a scream where you can see his face is just showing torment and uh, dread of about to dread from being about to being killed right like he knows what's about to happen and his scream looks like he's scared and i think right that this is, is uh just great storytelling it's exactly what evelyn was telling him it's like this is your responsibility to protect our children you must do anything you can to do so and he's taking that role literally up to self-sacrificing himself for his children yeah yeah, He's being and what the a, ultimate parent of fully protecting mm-hmm. his children. Mm-hmm. And what like, a true act of love. Yeah, what a true act exactly. of love. Not only for like his kids, but yeah. to his wife. Like he had told his wife, I will protect them. I will protect them. And then to say to your daughter, I have always loved you. And it may be devastating, but like clearly the love is there if he's willing to sacrifice his life to save his children's lives. Right, man. Powerful scene. But yeah, uh, the truck rolling away makes it to the house now. Evelyn meets them at the front of the house and hugs them. They still hear the creatures out there, so they head inside. They go to the basement and she points out the nail so they don't step on it. Good call. Evelyn <laughs> looks at all the equipment and all the research her parents have done. She looks at all the radios as well. And then we see this nice little moment where Marcus is looking at the baby and is amazed by it, which is really cute. Yeah, I love that yeah that's adorable. Because he probably doesn't yeah. remember when his younger brother was a baby because he was probably a lot younger at that point, I would imagine, and probably right. doesn't have those memories. But also that moment where Reagan sees um, all the equipment that Lee used to help build hearing aids for her. Man, that was really touching yes. that she finally had that moment of that's realization nice. of how much he did for her. And it's funny because being in this entire situation that's going on right now, this is their first time meeting their younger brother being born. Yeah, yeah. They didn't know that that baby was born at this moment. It's like, oh, whoa, cool. And that's why losing, so amazed. And then, yeah, in losing yeah. their father, they gained a brother. Right. Where comes life, there is death. It's just yeah. sad. Uh, but yeah, kind of like what you said right here. Uh, Regan sees a bunch of hearing aids in the work her dad has done. She really then realizes that he really loved her and sobs over it. Her mom comforts her, but it's short-lived as the lights begin to flicker and we hear the creature coming inside the house and goes down the stairs. She points at, the sh- points at it with the shotgun and tries not to make a sound. We get uh, even a closer shot of its body and it's massive. It seems to have armored skin and it's super thick. It begins to listen against the frequency of the television and it shrieks and smashes all of the TVs in the room. It calms down and continues to listen. We see its head have separate segments opening up at this point 
seeing the creature's insides. I love they this. They go to the perspective of Regan. Oh, it's fantastic. You know what it reminds me of? And it's really What's weird. That? It reminds me of a Rubik's Cube for some reason. Oh, that is really weird. That I actually disturbs me. That disturbs me hearing for some reason, <laughs> and I like don't know why. Different segments moving Ugh. and distorting, Ugh. and I don't like it. I can but. never look at a Rubik's Cube the same way again. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but, but it's like different segments of movement. I don't know. <laughs> I actually love that this movie wasn't afraid to really show off the monster at this point because a lot of films will kind of yeah. have it move quickly by so you don't see how, um, you know, generated it is in in graphics. Um, but I love and that the they were like, no, it's fantastic. Yeah. It was like, you're going to get a good look at what's what this thing is face on and it's going to look scary. And not only that, it looks like it belongs in the, it could belong in the real world, you know, that it could be realistic. Oh, for sure. And there's some fun facts about like the creature too later on, which is nice. Mm. (laughs) Uh, We go to the perspective of Regan again and everything is silent. She looks around reading that the research and looks at the whiteboard specifically where it says, what is its weakness? She looks at her hearing aid and looks at the creature. She begins to put it on. She turns it on and the frequency hurts her, but it also seems to be hurting the creature as well. We see it freaking out and all of the muscles of the creature begin to contract. Evelyn sees her using the hearing aid and is amazed. She notices it has an effect on the creature. We see Regan looking at the radio mic as the baby begins to cry. The creature hears the baby cry and goes towards it. That's when she puts the hearing aid to the radio mic and the feedback is amplified. The creature begins to have very violent facial movements now and exposing its insides. It's it's in an extreme pain and then falls over to the ground. She takes it off the mic and then just looks at her mom. The creature gets back up and Evelyn takes a shot at it with the shotgun and the creature is out for the count and finally is able to die. At this moment, I went, (gasps) because I was like, if there's three confirmed and this is only one of them, wouldn't a shotgun be so loud that it alerts the other two? I literally thought that in this moment. Exactly. And that's exactly what happens. Evelyn looks at the cameras and sees the other two running towards the house in super fast motion. She looks at Regan. And she turns and puts the frequency power at full blast this time. The music intensifies as she looks at her mom. Evelyn looks back at her, cocks her shotgun, and we cut to black. Directed (laughs) by John Krasinski. Then credits. (laughs) So remember earlier I said there was two moments in this movie that I wasn't really a fan of. The moment when Evelyn... (laughs) cocks her shotgun and then it fades to cocks black I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like why do you gotta go out in such a corny <laughs> note to me it's corny but I can see why people would like it but to me I'm like I literally is it just because chuckled. of the cornfields is that why what it's corny that? oh it's my god oh my goodness that's just terrible sorry guys continue <laughs> continue uh, no but that's the movie what did you think about it being your first time watching it did it like live up to the expectation or, yeah, I so, love this movie. I mean, opening up the episode, we had I had mentioned that I expected to like this movie and it hit the points that I thought it would with me. I expected to like it as much as I did, which is actually not ordinary because whenever something is, you know, 
renowned as good or hyped up. Uh, it sets the bar really high for me. And even though I may be aware that it, it the bar is high, things will usually not uh, achieve my expectations. But this movie did. And I think it actually went a little beyond it. I knew this. I know this is a popular film. Nice. And I know a lot of people like it. But I think it's really well deserved. I, I actually really, really enjoy this movie. I would watch it again. I would watch it with, um, you know, a group of friends or alone. Um it's just it's enjoyable. I think this movie is very smart with what it does. Its attention to detail is amazing. I love when details are emphasized as much as they are in this film because it really uh, rewards you for like looking into those details. The cast is amazing. I think the the writing, the dialogue. I mean, there's not really much dialogue. the The communication of this movie is really well done. I am a fan of this movie. And I can't wait for a part two now. I know. I, I completely agree. And I'm sad that part two was supposed to come out this March and then the lockdown happened and then it got pushed back to next year. But I think it's going to be worth the wait because this is definitely a movie that you want to see in theaters as well if you can uh, because the use of silence is so well done. Uh, the acting is phenomenal. I think the pacing is really good. This movie is only an hour and a half and they do have so much in here. Yeah. It's very layered. That it doesn't feel rushed. It doesn't. It's very fleshed the, out. Yeah, the pacing is amazing. It's an hour and a half, but it feels like it feels so much longer in a good way. As in, you want more of a story, right? And then when you finish it, you're like, "Oh, that was only an hour and a half. Awesome." I don't think it has any flaws of it feeling too slow or too fast. It was literally perfect pacing. So they did a yeah. great job with the script. The dialogue is really good. They use a lot of good tactics in this. I feel like it's very unique. Creature design is really well done. Um, John Krasinski as a director, I can see a very bright future ahead of him doing that. And as an actor, he does a really great job. But Emily Blunt is amazing in this as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. The kids do such a great job. They have great facial expressions throughout the movie. And we'll talk about like the fun facts about like some of the stuff with the dialogue and stuff like that where... They limit a lot of things and it does not hinder the movie at all. It just progresses the movie in a whole different level. So, yeah. Yeah. That being said, I mean, yeah, let's go to our movie facts. Movie facts? Yeah. So, the film's director and male lead, John Krasinski, obviously, played <laughs> the creature in a few moments and few scenes as a motion capture suit was around him. So, he was the creature at some points, too. Yeah, so that. actually Bella had shared that movie fact with me after we watched the film. And apparently um, early showings of A Quiet Place when I guess it was still in development or something uh, did drastically poor because the scenes where no. and it, the scenes where uh, you were supposed to see the monster, it was John Krasinski in like a motion capture suit instead. So people would just oh, be okay. out, out straight up laughing because it would be him. At least I, I think that's what it was. It's on IMDb, I believe. But yeah, I thought that was really funny. That's hilarious. Yeah, I, I love that because that would be funny to see him be <laughs> yeah. a creature but not have the special effects around him. Exactly. It's just Jim from the office in a suit. <laughs> so, classic. Oh, okay. So, the original screenplay for this movie only contained one line of voice dialogue. That's, that's interesting. Cool. I, I think that would have been really cool I'm if they did that. I'm happy they didn't go that route, though. Really? I, think it I thought it would have been cool, but I think 
some of the stuff they say out loud speaks literally quote unquote volumes uh, <laughs> because there was a lot of powerful lines from like say like Marcus and also Evelyn who say those things where it's like wow yeah it was very deep very nice to hear out loud rather than signed because it had that more emotional impact I would say yeah but I have to I do like that they limited it though I have to agree with you. I actually went into this movie thinking there was no dialogue at all. And it could have. And I think it would still have succeeded, to be honest. Yeah, probably. Yeah, very interesting. So uh, this is a really cool fun fact. So the bathtub scene with Emily Blunt was done in one take, according to oh, Don Yeah, as soon as, as he said cut... Blunt immediately fell out of character and asked the crew, what's everyone having for lunch? (laughs) That's hilarious. That seems like a very Emily Blunt thing to like happens. Like, oh, she goes in the bathtub, bleeding, gives birth to a baby. It's like, oh, what's everyone having for lunch? (laughs) Crazy. Uh, Oh, this one's a cool fact because it probably gave a lot of people good jobs. But the filmmakers purchased 20 tons of corn and hired local farmers to grow it. Hey, I love that they reached out to local farmers and hired them. That's really cool. Right. Didn't outsource or anything like that. And they made everything very authentic that way as well because they know what they're doing. And also helping people out. I mean, I would imagine they got, hopefully they got paid pretty well to do that. I would hope so. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Uh, The opening sequence was actually the last scene to be shot in the movie as it required John Krasinski to shave most of his beard. That's a nice little fun fact. I actually thought about that in the middle of the movie. I was like, they probably did that because of that. Yeah, I literally thought that. That's so funny. But eh, you thought right. (laughs) Um, This one's really cool because it brings back to the other fun fact. Uh, The movie only contains about 25 lines of voice dialogue, although sign language dialogue is used extensively. But only 25 lines are said out loud. Sounds about right. Very cool. Uh, this one's kind of cute, being having them being married and stuff. There are real-life family photos of John Krasinski and Emily Blunt with their children used in the film. Oh, nice. that's adorable. Uh, this one's great to be like a director who can get so much done in so quick of a time. This movie was only shot in 36 days. Just a little bit over a month. Wow, that's really good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that's really really good yeah that's incredible yeah. Uh, and then I have my last fun fact just to bring everything around about the dialogue the first line of voice dialogue isn't spoken until about 38 minutes into the film yeah damn, damn. that is bananas but you guys please let us know how you guys feel about this movie on twitter at goodnightlife that's night with a k we would love to hear your feedback on this um I I would agree that we both like this movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was such a fan of yeah, this movie. I think this is such a great movie. Uh, let us know if you watched it. Let us know how we did with the show and let us know your opinions and your perspectives of what you guys think. Maybe some wild theories of what the creature is, where it came from. We would love to hear about it. Uh, introducing our next month will be happy Halloween trick. Our treat month, which is going <laughs> to be super exciting. Uh, and this month, we will explore films around the pagan holiday, Halloween, obviously. 
And our first movie for next month will be Sinister by Scott Derrickson, continuing that month as well. I'm excited. This, I'm super excited. Oh, I'm so excited. I don't think I've seen Sinister, so it'll be weird. You know, I'm not 100% it, so. sure if I've seen it or not, but I'm sure I'll figure it out once I start watching Ooh. it. If we've seen it, it'll probably be like the first time watching it again, which will be yeah. fun. So check that out next week, guys. But this was Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Freddie, also known as Nighty Night. Alongside me on the web, we had David. Spoopy boys, and I just want to say a very special happy birthday to our new spoopy girl, Ellie. Ellie, we love you. It's going to be amazing seeing you. And also known as Nightly. Our efforts to get our show is not enough. We need your help to spread out, uh, spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Reading us five stars is very helpful, but we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone who you know would enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife, and that's night with a what? K. By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry about it. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, everybody, don't forget your nightlight.